wherever you're listening from, we pray this message inspires you to love strong, shine bright, and live free. So if you're taking notes, um, this morning's message is entitled Step Out. Step Out. And um, usually, if you're in my house around the week I'm doing a sermon, it's, it's not such a good week. Because I, I get really stressed. I start writing stuff on Tuesday. I usually change it, do something different on Wednesday. By Thursday, I'm going like, God, what do you even want me to talk about? You know, I write a new sermon on Friday. Not quite. It's a little bit of an exaggeration. But it's a, a week-long process. And this week, you know, God actually did something quite different in my heart. He said to me any time I was seeking him and saying, what do you want me to speak on? He said, just trust me, I want to speak through you. And I'm like, really? It's like, but I want to write it all down and have it sorted. And he goes, just trust me, I want to speak through you. So I do have a few notes this morning, but this is quite different for me. So it is all about stepping out, even for myself. And yeah, as you heard before, Ruth and I do um, Youth on Thursday nights. We're actually having a, a theme over the next month called Get Out. And so the first week that we looked at last Thursday was actually Step Out. So it's all around stepping out of your comfort zone, stepping into unfamiliar things, stepping into unknown things, stepping into new things. And there'll be a few messages in church around it. I'm not sure we'll follow up for the whole month, but in the youth breakout service at the end of the month, um, James Dixon's coming from Richmond New Life, and he'll be speaking on breaking out. So that's like breaking out of the old and into the new. So, you know, it might sound like a funny thing, but God doesn't actually want us to operate in our comfort zones. Sometimes we think, oh, it's good to have everything sorted, it's good to have everything nice in life, it's good to know where we're going, and yes, it's good to have goals and all that sort of thing. But in Scripture, you know, there's that true word that says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. And do we actually operate in the realm of faith if we're in our comfort zone? The answer to that question is no, in case you were wondering. (laughs) When we're in our comfort zone, we are not operating in the realm of faith. And so if we're really comfortable in life, it's not actually going to be that pleasing to God because we're operating in our own strength, in our own understanding. So just before we get into the message as well, I actually felt this morning while I was praying just to bring a word that it might be for more people, but God told me it was for two specific people here this morning. And so this isn't isn't meant as a negative thing at all, but it was all about being planted. It was all about being planted. And basically God was saying, um, like, if you're feeling today, and you'll know this is a if this is you, if you're not really feeling planted or established anywhere or committed somewhere, and that doesn't necessarily need to be a spire, it doesn't need to be this house, but in a house of God, um, he's actually saying you need to get planted. You need to have consistent fellowship. You need to put roots down. Because basically, I guess it's this word, he wants to see you planted because it's only when you're planted that you'll grow deep roots and then flourish and step into your gifting and bring about good fruit in your life. So God's saying to you, I have fruit that I want to see you bear. I have good things for you, but you need to be planted. So that'll resonate with, with you if that's you this morning. Let's just pray. 
Father God, I thank you for your love to us. I thank you, Father, that you have such good things for us. And we're even singing earlier about how good you are, how good you are. I just pray right now this morning, Father, as we get into this word, that you would open our hearts to hear your words, Father, to hear your spirit speaking to us. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. So talking about comfort zones, I'll just make sure my clicker's working. No, we won't use that. I'll get you to do that, Gary. If you could click onto the first slide, would be great. That sounds a bit radical, doesn't it? Your comfort zone will kill you. And it's not that you'll literally die, but um, if you're always living in your comfort zone, and in the West, we, I don't know, a whole lot of life seems to be about making our comfort zone bigger and increasing our comfort zone and just being really comfortable in life. But you know, in the spiritual sense, this statement is actually quite true. Your comfort zone will kill you because, as I said earlier, then we step out of the realm of faith and out of the realm of trusting in God and out of the realm of his power. And we step into the realm, in our nice little comfort zone, of believing in ourselves, trusting just in ourselves, in our own power, in our own strength, in our own ability. And so we aren't stepping into the promises of God. And you know what? If you're just visiting here, you may not be aware, but our church is going through a season of transition. We are making a move. We're going to be leaving the city and moving out to Tahunanui so we can be planted in the community there. We just believe that that's something that God's really calling us to do and to step into. And you know, this moving isn't actually just a physical thing. We're not just uprooting church here and going like, oh, let's do church in a different place. But it's a, a, a definite spiritual move in a season of spiritual transition as well. That God's calling us to do things differently. He's calling us to step into something new. So you know that's both corporately as a whole church and individually as well. God calls us to that, to step into new things. So the question... I have for you this morning is are you prepared for your next season or are you living in your comfort zone you're sitting on the couch with your feet up going this is good I quite like it here or are you intentionally preparing for the next season that God has for you We could have the next slide there. Sorry about the picture. It's not a great picture. <laughs> so I just want to share a little story with you. 2nd of August, 2019. This is where I was, in Fiji. For those of you who don't know, Pastor Wes and I were over there just visiting the 
ministry at NCTC, the training college there up in the north of Fiji. Spent a couple of weeks there and that was such an amazing time, just building more connection and more, I guess you say, strategic relationships as we move forward as a church, partnering with what they're doing there. It's just exciting to see the progress and stuff that's happening. Um, some pretty awesome things happening over there. Um, Marion just has such great connections with everyone. I saw just recently on Facebook actually that Planet Shakers Church have been in Fiji and they had a huge um, outreach there. Marion being Marion, she's the director of the school there, she just walked up to them afterwards and ended up getting a whole team from Planet Shakers Church to go back to NCTC school and do some ministry at the school there and, and run a service at Freedom Church. So how cool is that? <laughs> I thought that was pretty cool. So yeah, there's great things happening there. Anyway, so back to my story. I um, woke up on the 2nd of August and I was quite excited and a little bit sad because that was the day we left Fiji. So leaving there after you've been there a few weeks, it's like, oh, leaving again, that's never easy. But I was excited to be coming back to New Zealand because Ruth didn't come over, so I hadn't seen her for a few weeks. It's like, oh, it'll be great to see Ruth again. I think at some point on my journey back, Caroline's plane flew past the other way <laughs> as she went to meet up with Wes to celebrate their 20th wedding anniversary, wasn't it? So they had a great time over there. But, um, yeah, I, w- I was coming back and I thought, it's going to be really cool because when I get home, um, I'll be able to see Ruth and it'll be lovely. And then... As a lot of you are probably aware, we've got a baby now. So it was two weeks before he was due to come. So it was quite an exciting time in life. But then um, Jaden, a little boy, he had other plans. <laughs> he decided he wanted to arrive a little bit early. So the day I was coming back was the day he decided it was time to make his appearance in this world. So that was, I don't know, it wasn't really our plan. (laughs) It wasn't what we had envisioned would work out. But, um, yeah, I guess I could say for myself and probably even more so for Ruth, we were extremely thankful that um, Claire was there to be able to support Ruth through that time. It was incredibly special, so we're just really thankful for that. I know it was special for Claire as well. But you see, the thing is for me, as I said, talking about seasons, we can think we know when the next season's coming. We can have in our own mind, going, okay, I'll work here till the end of this year and then I'll do this and then I'll do that or whatever. But you know, your season may change like this. It may change in a moment. And are you prepared for that? I certainly wasn't prepared. (laughs) Neither was Ruth, really. We'd we'd figured out the weekend that I came home would be great. We could then go around and buy all the things that you're supposed to have for a baby. (laughs) So that was quite funny. So pretty much I arrived in Auckland Airport to a whole lot of texts turning up on my phone and Claire informing me that I was about to be a dad. And I'm going, whoa, (laughs) this is supposed to be happening in two weeks' time, not right now. But... um, Yeah, it was obviously a different schedule to my schedule. (laughs) 
So, yeah, that was quite different. And, yeah, then um, I arrived home to this. Well, it wasn't quite like that. We were at the hospital, but we had a, a wonderful, hugely generous offer from um, our friend Michelle, who did some um, newborn photos for us. And this is just one of the ones there. Incredibly beautiful photos. We haven't seen a whole lot of them yet, but looking forward to doing that this week. But as I shared with one or two people, because they said, "Um, weren't you disappointed to to miss the birth? And in some ways I was, of course, because especially being your first baby, it'd be like really awesome to be there and, and have that experience. But um, and in Auckland Airport, I had to end up laughing the journey back because um, <clears throat> I got into Auckland, had all these messages, realised that little Jaden was about to arrive in the world. And um, then my flight was delayed twice leaving Auckland. <laughs> And it's like, oh, this is fun. Not really. And then um, the weather was atrocious that night in Auckland, so a lot of flights were delayed coming in, delayed leaving. And then finally made it back to Nelson about two hours later than I was meant to and um, knew that Jaden had already arrived by then in this world. (laughs) And then on the plane, once we'd landed in Nelson, there was another plane in front of us that um, had started up its engines and was about to taxi off, but they had some kind of electrical fault. So they weren't moving the plane until they sorted out the electrical fault. So we had to sit there on the tarmac in the plane for about another 45 minutes. (laughs) And there was a whole lot of people on the plane getting grumpier and irritated and stuff, and by that point I was actually just laughing. (laughs) Going, this is crazy. I thought, that'll make a great illustration for a sermon one day. So here we go. Yeah, anyway, so all of that to say, I then arrived at the hospital, and when I held little Jaden in my arms, like I've shared with people, it was very much um, like if you can imagine having a bathtub of disappointment, and God reached down into the bathtub and pulled the plug out, and just went, disappeared. Because, I mean, when you hold something that, cute in your arms. How can you be disappointed? <laughs> so really, it was just replaced with joy. It was replaced with joy. So, But yeah, all of that just to say, are you ready for your next season? Are you ready? Because I had my plans when Jaden was arriving. Ruth and I had our plans of when we'd get all the stuff, when we'd be prepared, when we'd be ready. And um, then he could arrive. (laughs) Your next season may arrive before you think you're ready. So don't wait till it arrives and then go, wait, I'm not ready for this. Are you intentionally preparing now? Or are you just sitting in your comfort zone? And you know, it's funny, when you start thinking about stepping into a new season, sometimes it's... um, requires a big mind shift because suddenly you're going to need to be thinking differently. You're going to need to be starting to act differently. You're going to need to be starting in your Christian walk, walking differently. 
so you can be prepared for walking into this new season. I mean, like now, having a baby, for example, this was never appropriate behavior before to go around sniffing people's butts. But now, it actually seems like it's an okay thing to do. Not for a whole lot of people, only for your child, of course. But it's, it's just a thing of like, there is a different behavior that in the past wasn't really something I ever did. And now it's kind of like, it seems okay. And I just wanted to show you this. Ruth dressed Jaden this morning. I won't, I won't sniff it as a demonstration. He smells pretty good at the moment. So are you ready? Are you ready to step into your new season? Are you ready like, to make those changes in your walk, in your life? So that's my first point this morning, is get prepared. Get prepared. Are you ready? My second point... It's only a two-point message, so just two things to remember. Are you ready? Get prepared. The next point is, what is your spiritual atmosphere? What atmosphere are you operating in? I have the next slide there. You probably recognize the guy on the left at the front. If you don't, as Sir Edmund Hillary. In his younger days, well, actually, no, he probably looked like that when he was the first man to climb Mount Everest. So that's a pretty amazing feat. However, now I'll go back to that slide, thanks. You might not recognize the person who's behind him, in the middle, not like right in the back, just above the lady's head there. Does anyone who know who that is? Most people wouldn't. (laughs) Um, His his name's George Lowe. Now, he was actually the guy who put the team together to climb Mount Everest. He was the guy who invited Edmund Hillary to come and climb with him. He was actually supposed to be the guy who made the first attempt to get to the top of Mount Everest. But um, as circumstances would have it over there, Um, It wasn't to be him. And so Edmund Hillary, along with, um, what's his name? Sherpa Tenzing, that's the one, were the first ones to climb Mount Everest. But you know, George Lowe, everyone thought he was going a little bit crazy while he was over there. Because up at that incredibly high altitude, up near the top of Mount Everest, because they climb up to different camps, He came back down with a report one day that he saw a goose flying over the top of Mount Everest. And people are going like, buddy, you've been up in the high altitude way too long. (laughs) Don't be ridiculous. You're not going to see a goose flying up over the top of Mount Everest. So there's a picture there of Mount Everest. 
pretty high. But if you look to the left there, there is something flying. I'm not sure if that's a goose. But <laughs> Having been over to, not Mount Everest itself, but been to Nepal, I did a trek over there years ago up around the back of the Annapurna Mountains, which are just um, quite near to Mount Everest. And even at that height, which is quite low, <laughs> there's um, usually a few people die each year just from altitude sickness and not being able to adjust to the new atmosphere that they find themselves in. So like I said, they thought he was losing his mind, but in actual fact, we've got a little video clip to watch here. If you could um, flick the lights off and put that on, it'd be great. Just have a little look at this. Okay. Hello, hello. So this team of researchers, they actually became mum and dad to some young geese to do research to see if geese could in fact fly at really high altitudes. So they trained the youngsters to fly. And then they ended up training them to fly in a wind tunnel by getting them to get used to wearing backpacks for monitoring their oxygen levels, heart rates, and face masks full of sensors so they could test the geese's body temperature, metabolic rate, and how many calories they were burning per hour. And could they actually survive in this kind of atmosphere? The wind tunnel experiments showed that the geese actually could adjust to this new atmosphere. Their heart rate would lower and the frequency of wing beats would increase even as their metabolic rate dropped. However, somehow the birds managed to change, to cool down their blood so that they could continue to fly in such a high atmosphere. So what they're actually doing here, you can see the masks on the geese's face, is actually giving them the same amount of oxygen, which is a tiny amount, as what they'd be getting if they were flying over the top of Mount Everest. So it's actually proved that geese can fly over the top of Mount Everest, and it's not an odd thing. They actually do it regularly every year on their migration and they fly over that route. So pretty amazing, I thought. I thought, how on earth do you get funding for that sort of thing? So, hey, we just want to see if geese can like fly over Mount Everest. Can you give us some money to research that? And they say, like, oh, yeah, and how are you going to do that? So, oh, well, we're going to like train them up from when they're little to wear little backpacks and oxygen masks and fly in wind tunnels and be like, yeah. <laughs> okay, Sure. But anyway, I was reading a little bit about that, and the scientists said to start off with, because the first thing they had to do was get the geese to trust them, get the geese to think of them as their mum and as their dad. So they said they spent a whole summer with these little, what are they, goslings? Um, 
And they said it was idyllic. They said we just got to sit around in the grass and eat lettuce and go for lots of swims in the sunshine. <laughs> but the whole thing was that the, the little um, geese learned to trust them as their mum and as their dad. And it's like, so when they said, okay, you can do this, they went, all right. <laughs> so pretty incredible, really. But you know, the truth is that God is calling each of us to live in a different atmosphere. To live in a different atmosphere to what we're used to, to what might seem comfortable, and to actually walk by faith. To trust him like those um, goslings did with their mum and dad. That we would trust him as our dad and be willing to step into unknown things. Be willing to step into new things. Be willing to get out of our comfort zone be willing to step out into a new atmosphere. We can jump onto the next slide there. Such a true statement. Miracles happen after we step out in faith. Everyone say after. After. So if we're living in our comfort zone, how many miracles do you think we're likely to see? Probably not so many. Probably not so many. Isn't that annoying? It'd be so nice if we could just live in our comfort zones and then see God's miraculous hand at work. But I know for myself, and I've talked about this in our hub and with other friends and stuff, so often our testimonies of breakthrough, our testimonies of seeing God move in power, our testimonies of seeing um, just amazing things happen in our life as he works through us, come about when we're stretched, come about when we're on the edge of something and it's feeling really uncomfortable, come about when we're outside of our comfort zones where we have to operate in faith because there's nothing we can depend on in our own strength, but we're depending entirely on God. And then suddenly we see him do something miraculous and this happens and we go, wasn't that incredible? We went on this missions trip or we did this and we saw God's hand move and we saw this healing. We saw this happen. And then when you reflect on that, it's like, so why then on earth, if we find that so encouraging, do we spend so much of our lives trying to make it comfortable that we live in our comfort zone and then don't see God working because we're not living just in faith and relying totally on him. So we need to let our faith grow and develop and be intentional about it. So we need to let our faith be bigger than our fear. We need to let our faith be bigger than our fear. Because you see, if we look at our fears and go like, oh, I can't, I don't think I can manage, I don't think I can, I don't think I can. So it's right, you can't, but God can. So I guess it's a question, do we really see God as being bigger than our fears, being bigger than what we feel are inadequacies in our life, being bigger than what we might see as lack, lack of talent or lack of ability, lack of resources, lack of finances, could be lack of anything that makes us fearful. Do we see God is bigger than that? And is our faith bigger than that? 
So we need to let our faith be bigger than our fear. You see, when God pushes you to the edge, which he often does, we like to think, no, God, I'm saved now. I said that's in his prayer and God's just all about making my life better and more comfortable. Actually, he's not. I'm sorry if that's disappointing this morning. (laughs) God's not really about just making our lives comfortable. He wants us to see our faith grow and develop and become more Christ-like. And if it takes him pushing us to the very edge of what we think we can cope with so that we cry out to him and have faith in him, um, he will allow that to happen. And you know, then there's one of two results when we get to the edge and we start falling. Either, and they're both good results, either God will catch us as we're falling and we'll find ourselves in the incredible love of the Father just surrounded by his strength, his compassion, or he will teach us how to fly. So he will either catch us when we fall or he will teach us how to fly if we're trusting in him. And he will teach us how to operate in a different atmosphere, in a different realm. So who here knows much about coal? Anyone know much about coal? It used to be burnt on fires a lot here, eh? But not so much now. I think they still use it over on the West Coast quite a bit. But, um, yeah, did you know that pressure is what's needed to turn coal into diamonds? You don't see many women, well, I haven't, maybe it happens some places, seeing a big lump of coal somewhere and going like, oh, I'd like to hang that around my neck. Or hang a lump of coal off your ears. Wouldn't really look that great, would it? But, you know, diamonds wouldn't exist if there wasn't coal. And coal, when it's subjected to huge pressures underground, actually is then where diamonds come from. I won't go into the huge explanation of how that all happens, because we need to be finished before 12 o'clock. But, um, yeah, so... In our lives, when we're under pressure, when we're under stress, when we feel crushed down, it's at those times that God can use to actually bring about amazing transformation in our life, to bring about diamonds out of that coal. And sometimes, I know for myself at least, when you're in those places of pressure and when you're feeling squashed down and crushed, you go like, God, will you just get me out of this? I don't like it. And he's actually saying, no, this time is needed to bring about that beauty, to bring out those diamonds that I want to see come out of your life. So, we need to learn to operate in his capacity and live in a new realm, live in a new spiritual atmosphere. And as we move forward and in the season of transition, both as a church And individually, we need to um, be willing to step into that atmosphere, be willing to um, step into new things. So in closing, I'd just like to give a little warning here. This is from Bishop T.D. Jakes, fantastic preacher. He had this quote. 
Don't contaminate your future with your past by holding on to an issue that doesn't exist anymore. I'll say that again. Don't contaminate your future with your past by holding on to an issue that doesn't exist anymore. So, you know, it's like this. Sometimes we can have issues, we can have things that we've walked through in life, and we can keep our eyes so fixed on those things that they actually stop us stepping out, that they stop us stepping out in faith, that they stop us stepping out into new things, that they stop us stepping out into a new atmosphere that God's calling us to operate in. And you know, God says, behold, I make all things new. Therefore, you are a new creation. There is no condemnation. So don't look at the past. Don't look at those issues. Don't let them disqualify you. Because you know, Todd White has this saying, the only place that your past lives is in the mouth of your enemy. Our enemy being the devil. The only place that your past lives is in the mouth of your enemy. He will be the one that will keep reminding you of your inadequacies, of your failures, of your stuff-ups, of all those things you've done in the past that you'd rather hide because they're just like, oh, I wish I hadn't ever been in that life. But God says, behold, I make all things new. So don't allow your past to rob you of your future. We need to learn to walk in His strength as we step into this new atmosphere, into this new chapter. We need to learn to walk in His understanding, not our own. We need to learn to walk in His power, not in our own. We need to learn to walk in His wisdom, not in our own then we have actually stepped, when we do this, when we walk in His power, His strength, His wisdom, when we have faith in Him, and our faith becomes bigger than all of our fears, we have then stepped into that new atmosphere, that new realm that He's calling us to live in, where we can operate in things that in the past might have appeared impossible. But how could I do that? How could I step into that? That's for somebody else to do. God surely can't be calling me to that. And God's saying, no, I've chosen you. Will you step into this? Will you step into this? Let's just pray together. Father God, I thank you that you have such amazing plans for our lives, Father. Thank you that all things work together for for good when we trust you, when we love you. And even though things may not always feel comfortable, that you are there in that time, bringing about good things, bringing about diamonds out of the crushing, out of the times of pressure, out of the times where we're just barely holding on, that even in those times you can bring about such good things pray Father God this morning that 
as you are calling us, as you are challenging each of us to step out, to step out of our comfort zones, to step into that place where we go, I can't see, I don't understand, I'm not even sure what this next season is going to look like. But Father, I choose to trust in you. I choose to trust in your strength. I choose to trust that you know what is best for me. I pray, Father, that we would put our hands in your hand. I pray, Father, that we would yeah, just step into that place where we're in a new atmosphere. We're in the atmosphere of being soaked in your presence. Thanks for listening. For more information about Aspire Church, find and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Or check out our website, aspirechurch.org.nz. We'd love to see you on Sundays, 10am, 101 Hardy Street, Nelson.